Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have a pro- our producer, Helena Hodges, our VP of Finance and Operations. For today's episode, we are interviewing Natasha Bowman. Welcome, Natasha. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Well, can you share a little bit about your background before we get into this, I shall say, much needed topic? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a labor and employment law a lawyer by trade, uh, but decided early in my career I didn't want to be on the dark side of misconduct in <laughs> the workplace. Uh, so I switched over to the HR side and remained there as the head of HR for a few organizations for many years before founding my firm as uh, a DEI leadership uh, development consulting firm, Performance Renew, based out of New York City. Uh, I teach at a couple of colleges and universities. I'm a two-time published author, TEDx speaker, um, and now the founder of a nonprofit, the Bowman Foundation for Workplace Equity and Mental Wellness. Wow, I love it. <laughs> just very busy person. person. We want. <laughs> I know. Just who we need for this conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we'll talk about so today. We're talking about mastering your mental health in the workplace. Yes. Have you noticed a change in how we view mental health over the last couple of years? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, statistics have shown us that there is an increase of 25% of people who were diagnosed with a mental health condition during quarantine, myself included. Um, I had, you know, a major critical mental health episode uh, that landed in a suicide attempt. I um, spent 10 days in a mental health facility. And during that time frame, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I've heard so many people that have told me when I made my story public um, that they too were diagnosed with some sort of mental health condition. And like I said, the statistics show that 25%, it was a 25% increase of people that were diagnosed. And so organizations really realized the impact that COVID had on their workforce and their family doing something about it in providing resources and um, supplemental mental health providers and things like that. And really talking about mental health in a way that it really wasn't talked about prior to COVID. So, so exciting exciting to see what's happening there. I just hope it's something that's sustainable, right? And it's not just a flavor of the month that we sometimes see when it comes to workplace initiatives. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Sometimes you see initiatives start and they lose steam after a while. It's almost trendy to talk about them. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, they fall out of favor and there's something else. And I want to thank you, too, for your vulnerability and sharing that with us, because I think it's really important for people to hear that there are 
many people who are suffering, have suffered, maybe suffering in silence. It's really important to have those conversations. And so I would love to hear a little bit about what the impact on the workplace can look like. If you have colleagues or team members who may be going through some tough stuff that perhaps they don't feel supported in talking about, is there an impact on maybe a team or, or the workplace in general, maybe? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you're dealing with mental health conditions uh, or just your mental wellness, right? Because you don't Mm -hmm. have to be diagnosed to be actually dealing with, you know, your mental wellness. There's definitely an impact on the team and on the organization. You're not able to bring your full self to work. And a lot of times um, my foundation did a survey and we found out that while more people, you know, admit they're struggling with their mental health, there's a reluctance to share that with their employer. Mm -hmm. And it's just like everything I was talking about in terms of DEI prior to COVID or even after the murder of George Floyd, as we talked about race and racism, it's so important that you're able to bring your full authentic self to work and be able, you know, to share the things about your, your personal life your experiences and get the support that you need, right? From your workplace, because when you're in a crisis or if you're struggling with your mental health, in that moment, you're not in an equitable work environment. You actually need additional resources and support to be able to perform in some cases. So you're not able to have that conversation with your manager or your colleagues and ask them for their support or ask for those resources. That can have a significant impact to the organization's bottom line. And that's why it's so important um, that we create those safe spaces for dialogue so that people do feel, okay, there's no stigma there or stereotypes around my condition. I can talk about it. I can ask for support. I can ask for resources so that I can continue to thrive in the workplace. So how do you recommend someone maybe who is suffering in silence or they're not sure if if their workplace is supportive of this? What what first steps do you recommend for someone to take? Yeah, you know, first of all, take care of yourself, you know, ensure Mm -hmm. that you're getting the treatment that you need. Um, You know, a lot of times we have to destigmatize ourselves. You know, we have to question, am I feeling a little unusual? You know, what, what is this? You know, is it burnout? Is it depression? And it's hard to understand that blurry line. A lot of times we think we're burned out. And in my experience, if I look back over my life, I've always had bipolar, although, um, you know, I was just diagnosed. But those times when I was down, I thought, oh, I'm burned out. I've been up for days working um, when actually that was depression, right? So um, it's very important that you speak to a mental health provider, let them know, you know, how you're feeling, check on yourself. Just like if you woke up, get shoulder pain, you know, every day Mm -hmm. for a week, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the doctor and say, look, I can't get rid of this shoulder pain. So when you have those unusual feelings and thoughts, you should do the same thing, you know, say, talk to someone, a provider, 
um, and, and see what's going on. And then once you are diagnosed or you get more clarity as to what's going on, that should help you to inform the conversation you're going to have with your manager. Because I find it easier when you're approaching your workplace, if you can really explain, hey, this is what I'm going through right now. You, you have a diagnosis, you have a treatment plan, and you know exactly what resources and support you need from your manager. But it's also very important as you approach the conversation that you approach them with, look, I can still do these things. I can still do my job because what happens with the manager a lot of times with their approach to these conversations and the reason we avoid them is because we are automatically programmed to think, oh, wait, you're going to tell me there's something you can't do, right? You know, change your job performance, et cetera, et cetera. So what we want to do is approach and say, these are things that I can still do, which is probably all of your job, but I just need additional support or resources. And this is what it looks like. And when you're able to have that very structured conversation, that makes it a little easier for you. You've done your research, you have your mental health provider involved, you know, maybe you have your medication, whatever it is, it makes it easier for you. So Going back to your original question, you know, take care of yourself first, understand what's going on with yourself before you try to explain it to others and ask for the support that you need. I think those are phenomenal tips. And so I'd love to to take a look at another angle to that, because going back to that theme of vulnerability, it is a very vulnerable place for you to have a conversation with a manager or supervisor, especially if it's about something that perhaps you are still understanding and processing yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about those colleagues out there who have tough relationships with their supervisors. Mm -hmm. What tips do you have for either preparing for that conversation, having that conversation, or I'm even going to throw this out there, maybe not having that conversation. Are there others you might talk with in your office? Yes, absolutely. And you're right. Not every single manager is prepared to have this conversation. Um, Not every single employee feels comfortable and safe having a conversation with their manager. So determine who in your organization, whether it's your HR leader, your manager's manager, that you feel safe having this conversation and understand that you more likely than not have legal protections, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Around the conversation, around talking about your mental health condition. And they should be, you know, conversing with you about what those legal protections are. And it Mm -hmm. may mean, you know, I need space from this organization and I may need you know, time off through FMLA, or I need some sort of ADA accommodation, right? So, you know, that may be it where you need that space. And it's also very, very important. And I always say this, especially if you do need to talk to HR or someone to talk about if there are cultural issues within your workplace that are triggering your mental health condition, right? Because if that's happening to you, then it's likely happening to others in the organization and talk about that. You know, sometimes, you know, you can be diagnosed with mental health condition and some mental health conditions are triggered by workplace trauma. And so therefore it's very important that you talk about that, that you say, Hey, I'm experiencing a bully boss or microaggressions. I'm overworked. I'm burned out, which by the way, 
In 2019, burnout is considered by the American Psychiatric Association a mental health, a serious mental health condition, you know, wow. or a serious medical condition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we've got to be able to talk about that and talk about what are our workplace triggers if that is the case, you know, because as we know, organizations now are in a fight for talent. They're trying to bring talent in. They're trying to keep talent. So knowing that, hey, our culture may not be, we have some blind spots in our culture. Um, who would not want to know that, right? An organization That's that true. I would want to work for, you know, because yeah. it may come to a point that if you have an organization that's not promoting will, mental wellness, they're not creating a safe space for you in terms of psychological safety, in terms of dialogue. They don't want to hear about the blind spots in their culture. Then we kind of have to step back and say, is this really an organization that I need to be working for? Right. Mm, Just to take care of going back to my own mental health. I love that. That's so important. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Uh, so it sounds like one, we really need to educate ourselves on well, first of our, our ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on with us, so we can advocate for ourselves and and educate ourselves on the the laws and the support that we should have out there. Is there any other support system? Let's say you don't feel very supported at your current job. Is there other resources people can bring in for this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you can definitely reach out to your own mental health provider. Um, There are mental health organizations that are popping up everywhere that are helping people um, with their mental health. So, you know, just research how to have my my foundation. We're we're, we're one of those people that are trying to provide resources for you to help you with, you know, your mental health, lead you to coach you through those conversations, et cetera, et cetera. There's tons of resources out there. You have NAMI, you have all these organizations that can help you, Um, you know, but again, as it relates to the workplace, it's, it's the workplace's responsibility, right, as well to ensure that they're promoting mental wellness. And yeah. that's really where my, um, you know, expertise and where my mission is, is to make sure that every employee has a health and safe place to work. Yeah. And hearing you talk, especially about how managers might be able to support or how how others might be able to support within the workplace It occurs to me that unquestionably, I have encountered colleagues in my lifetime who may have needed something that maybe I didn't know I could provide or uh, I missed a sign or something along those lines. Uh Are there, maybe this is a two-part question, but Uh are there things that we might be able to look for? Mm -hmm. And if we see something that suggests that perhaps someone may be looking to have a conversation might benefit from something. Are there ways that we can maybe thoughtfully or mindfully approach that kind of conversation, Uh knowing that someone may not be prepared to talk about it? Maybe Mm. we're misreading something. Yeah, You don't want to miss a cue, but you also don't want to overstep. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that line. And and you know what? To respond to that, I've developed what I've called kind of an acronym um, to help you, to guide you through that conversation, which is the the care model. And uh, the C is to show concern, you know, hey, we've been working together for five years now. Typically, when you come in, you're upbeat, you're happy, you're this, you're that. I've noticed for the past couple of months, you just don't seem to be as upbeat, you know, and happy as you typically are. Are you okay? 
Do you need someone to talk to? Right. Just showing concern. Right. Um, I do say be cautious. Don't pathologize. Don't use Mm -hmm. words that are related to mental health conditions like, oh, hey, you seem to be suffering from anxiety or you seem depressed or you, you know, just say I'm concerned. Are you okay? Um, Do you want to do you need someone to talk to? We can grab a coffee or a Zoom call or whatever. I'm here for you if you want to talk. Right. So. Just showing that concern, that goes a long way, you know, for people. If you kind of open that door for them to walk through. The A is for awareness, you know, just show, you know, you know, make yourself aware of, you know, what types of mental health conditions there are. What are some of those signs? Just like, you know, it's being an ally, you know. So if you're an ally to a BIPOC population or LGBTQ, you want to learn about that, right? So that you understand more about the spirit experiences and journeys and things like that. So awareness about mental health conditions. So you can notice some of those changes in behavior. Um, then R is to kind of reflect, you know, on what they tell you, you know, oh, wow, what what is that like to be you know, diagnosed with this or to be feeling this way. What can I do? If I was, you know, there, that, and that kind of takes me to the e-empathy, you know, you kind of segue into that. If I was in your shoes, what would I need for support, right? What kind of conversations would I need uh, from a colleague or a friend or resources or, you know, and put yourself in that person's shoes and think about, what you would need in terms of support and resources and what an inclusive conversation looks like. So when it comes down to it and you recognize these behaviors and a colleague's fear, even family member, I always say just care and think about that acronym. What I love about that too is that it comes from a place with just a complete lack of assumption. Yes. It allows someone to take the space. You, you offer them that space. Uh-huh. They can do in that space what is going to work for them, but you're not there to diagnose and you're not there exactly. to tell them what they need. You're there to give them the space to share what they'd like to, uh-huh. including to share nothing if they're exactly. not in a place where, where they can do that. That's right. But it's so yeah. good to know because maybe I don't want to share right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, but maybe two weeks from now, I need someone to talk to and you've offered that. And I can come Aww. back to you to say, hey, when you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, I, I really wasn't ready to share, you know, what I'm going through right now, but right then. But do you have time to talk now? Right. It just kind of lets them know. Again, I have an ally, I have a friend, um, and I'm here to offer support whether you want it now or whether you want it in the future. Oh, yeah. And especially, too, when you're thinking about how maybe those conversations wrap up, if perhaps someone doesn't want to share, maybe it's offering something else. If you need an extra hand with that report you're working on or, you know, can can I help you with the meeting you're preparing or something Mm -hmm. like that? Exactly. Maybe it's, you know, yeah, there are those little moments there where you're also building Mm -hmm. that connection. Exactly. And that brings you to that empathy model, right? If I'm in this space um, and maybe, you know, you're seeing things they seem to be they seem to be stressed or whatever it is you know what what you need and you know if it's for someone to take something off of your hands or whatever that is um then that's what it is and even going back to the workplace triggers maybe there are things that are being directed to them that you're witnessing Mm -hmm. but not necessarily impacting you so being a bystander interventionist to say Hey, you know what? Maybe that person doesn't feel comfortable escalating. Maybe I have a better relationship with our boss. I can say, 
hey, I noticed that when you speak to such and such, you know, it's kind of aggressive. It's kind of, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I really see it. I've been seeing a change of attitude. He or she is a very, you know, valuable member of our team and we need to keep that person around. And, you know, this that's just my observation. And, you know, I think we have a great, you know, relationship that you would appreciate my feedback. Right. So it. just even being an interventionist can be an speak ally up. to someone that, yeah, speak up, you know, can, yeah, you know build belonging. Can, yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, now, I love, uh, so earlier um, we'd mentioned hoping this isn't a passing fad. And this may be more of a call to action than a question, but how do we make sure that this isn't a passing fad? Yeah, you know, we've got to keep organizations accountable to their commitments, you know. Mm. So if you have an organization that has committed to promoting your mental wellness and they rolled out initiatives, they've done this or they've done that, we've got to hold them accountable for it, mm. you know, as either individual contributors, as leaders, um, you know, remind them of those commitments, you know, just say, hey, you know, just keep it on the radar in every single meeting and weave it into everything that you do. Uh, nice. Because as we have seen in the past, it does kind of fall off the radar. Everybody gets busy. Maybe people do start to return to feeling quote unquote normal. And, you know, but we, we under have to understand just because I may be feeling better. It doesn't mean that someone else isn't so, or is. So we, we need to hold everyone accountable to the commitments that they've made. If they haven't made a commitment, then ask them what they plan on doing. You know, use mm-hmm. that statistic I just used. Hey, 25% of the population is now being diagnosed with a mental health condition. That means we have 100 employees. That means 25 people in this building right now have been diagnosed with a mental health condition. What are you going to do to support them, right? So just speaking of, you know, being courageous um, is just what we need right now in today's world. Yeah, especially thinking about how, for example, DEI has become very strategic Mm -hmm. for a lot of organizations. It's almost a call to make sure that our mental health and well-being is not forgotten in that strategy, in in any of the strategic direction. Yeah, And acknowledging that mental health is part of DEI. It is indeed. You know, if you think about (laughs) that, it's part of the differences at work. It's part of of a diverse workplace. And so what we are doing is we're building our DEI strategies, um, we can't just focus just on physical disabilities. we got to think about mental disability and, and make sure that there's disability inclusion. Some people even say that D is for disability, um, you know, within D, D, E, I, right? Yeah. And so therefore, uh, you know, just making sure as, you know, especially if you're someone that's in charge of the EI initiatives, that mental health is seen as part of that. And it's brought up in every discussion as you discuss your DEI. Yeah. Gosh, I have to tell you, Natasha, this has been (laughs) eye-opening and very empowering. I mean, there are a lot of action items to take away from here. (laughs) Now, we still have three more questions for you. Now, at the end of every episode, our (laughs) listeners know this well, we love to ask our guest three rapid fire style questions. All right. These questions, 60 seconds or less. No worries. Any answer goes. We're excited to hear how you want to weigh in today. You ready? (laughs) Ready for some rapid fire? I'm ready. Okie doke. 
first question for you today is give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'm going to be selfish on this one. You got to read it. my newest book. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> we support that. Yes. yes. It's called The Power of One, Leading with Civility, Candor, and Courage. Mm-hmm. It, it encompasses a lot of the things that we just talked about today, right? And I wrote this book. And I did a TED Talk on the same subject in 2018. I started writing the book. I finished it. I didn't really do anything with it. And I completed the book while I was admitted to a mental health facility by hand because at that point, so much had happened with COVID and all the other things that were happening. And then I just had so much to say and I just wrote it. And so it's very special to me for a couple Mm -hmm. of reasons. But, you know, more importantly, a lot of the things that we talked about today is about creating civility, right? Check it on your colleague that's being civil, right? Candor, right? You know, being honest. I see a change in your behavior and, you know, and how you're presenting yourself. And I'm worried about you, right? And then having that courage to be an ally and standing with that person. So that's the thing with a book. Pick it up, the power of one leading with civility, candor, and courage. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's a call to kindness right there. Is yes. what you've just described. I love this. I will be your next reader. Thank All right. You. Okay. Great recommendation. So second question for you is what is one tool that you can't live without? Oh, you know, and this is a recent tool that I didn't even know I couldn't live without is Canva. I have oh, been yeah. paying like <laughs> thousands of dollars to get like all my graphics done and all of that. And somehow I found this. I'm like, this is what they've been using. I've been paying yes. them all kind of money. I can do it myself. So now I can't live without it. I'm, I'm like every day creating something. On, I mean, brochures, training programs, this, mm. that. Love it. Uh, you know, just, I, and I'm, this is not a paid endorsement. I love Canva and I have really enjoyed it. <laughs> it has unlocked inner creativity for so many really, of us. I, I am so that. with you. <laughs> I think I am doing something. <laughs> Phenomenal suggestion. I bet there are a lot of people out there nodding their heads right yes, now. We yes. got a lot of Canva people out there in yes. talent development. All right. Our final question for you for today is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? You're enough. You're enough. You know, um, being a black woman, especially in corporate America, as I was, um, you know, going up the career ladder, there were times in my career, you know, that I suffered from imposter syndrome or thought I shouldn't be in certain rooms, et cetera, et cetera. And my dear husband would always just Mm -hmm. tell me when I was in those moments of, of self doubt, of you're enough. You are more than enough. You deserve to be wherever you are. And so I love to pass that on to other people who are up and coming in their career, um, you know, and feel like they're imposters in their careers and say, hey, you've done what it takes to be there um, and you're enough. And don't doubt that ever. That's lovely. Got a good husband right there with very good advice. We'll take it. We will take that advice. Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Natasha. Oh, so glad to be here for this wonderful conversation. Oh, and of course, thank you to our listeners for listening in or watching if you're watching on YouTube. But before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in partnering with our chapter? For more information, visit dcatd.org forward slash partnerships dash sponsorships. 
Check out dcatd.org for upcoming chapter events, learning programs, member benefits, and so much more. Thank you.